Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. And good morning. I am joined by Mary Meyer from the University of Minnesota. Good morning, Mary. Good to hear from you. Good morning, Denny. Happy first day of spring. Yes, it is. And it's perfect timing when we do our Smart Garden show. Here it is. It came in at uh, spring, did at 437 this morning. Uh, any ideas of what uh, gardeners uh, should be doing, whether we deal with lawns or gardens, uh, this first day of spring, this early spring? What can we be thinking about doing? Well, I think many people are thinking about their lawns, looking at their lawns that they can see and wondering if it's time to start doing lawn work. So only if your lawn has really fully dried out. We did have a dry year, so there are probably some people that can start working on their lawns. Many people have started seed already, so mid-March is a good time to start uh, many of our vegetable seeds. And you know the the old adage about St. Patrick's Day, planting peas outside on St. Patrick's Day? I actually thought about that in Minnesota this year. You could almost do that because the uh, weather conditions that we've had. The last snowfall, did though, did interrupt that for us. And uh, looking and listening to the uh, forecast for this week, sounds like we're going to get some spring showers uh, for a few days this week. So that'll green things up, I assume, even though we're still... uh, you know, uh, March 20th is, is the date, but uh, some folks say, well, in fact, I was looking at the word snow in the forecast, not real cold weather, but uh, still there's a chance of these uh, f- flurries. So we're not out of the total woods uh, just yet. But uh, if if you have a question, a lawn or garden type of question for Mary, by all means, call it in or text it in, as some folks are doing already. Uh, same number, whether it be a phone call or text, 651 651- Nine eight nine nine two two six. Mary, here's one that uh, just came in a bit ago. Would like to know, Texter says, if areas in the lawn that look dead from snow mold will come back. Is there anything we should do? Um, you want to start to inspect those areas and see if you can actually see bare soil and no visible plants growing, it's likely that you will have to reseed those areas. If you can see grass there and it's brown or beige, it's very likely that that will start to grow again. 
if it's bare soil, you're probably going to have to reseed that area. And it is early now to be reseeding. The soil temperatures are still quite cool. But um, I would, I would, uh, as soon as it's dry enough, I would begin to rake those areas. Many plants that are grasses will go into a kind of semi-dormant state and be brown, especially in the uh, drier weather conditions that we have had. So I would do some inspection and then uh, reseed if you can see bare soil. Speaking of seed, I'm anxious to see if any of my dormant seeding worked. <laughs> from uh, this past fall, we'll find out, I guess. Uh, boy, oh, I they're think coming it in. Will. Yeah. I hope it. I hope it does. I, I'm, I'm anxious to see. Uh, Sal, uh, Shelley has sent in a text that "Good morning. What can be added to the soil to help morning glories bloom?" Well, for morning glories, it's probably not something deficient in the soil. Morning glories um, are more of a short day plant. And they flower with the day length. And so when we have the long days in summer, that that makes it more difficult for them to bloom. They're more likely to bloom as the days get shorter as we start going into the fall conditions. So I doubt if it's a soil issue. Uh, you can have a soil test done, and that will tell you the nutrient levels that you've got and also the pH which is quite important in growing plants. But probably it's it's more of a day length uh, thing. You can also look for other vines that aren't so affected by the day length. Uh, some plants that bloom in the summertime, uh, like nasturtiums, are another vine that they're not affected by the day length. Okay. Let's uh, grab a phone call from Ron, who is calling, I believe, from Minneapolis. Ron, good morning. You're on with Mary. Good morning, Mary. Uh, I've got a friend that that is interested in um, planting a topiary tree and or shrub or whatever they are. Do they grow well here? And, you know, I'll help her plant it. But as far as keeping it trimmed to keep those, you know, the fancy shapes and everything, how does that go? (laughs) Yes, that's quite an endeavor. Um, Sometimes that can work. I'm trying to remember how many of those I've seen successfully in a northern climate. Um, Usually those are boxwoods, which is a small broadleafed evergreen. Now, boxwood is hardy in our uh, climate, but it's pretty uh, picky to grow. So you can often see damage to that in the winter. Uh, Taxes or ewes are much more hardy. Uh, but it's a lot of work to do something like that. Uh, you need it in a protected location, almost a northern uh, location around uh, your home. So I would say you could do this if you're really dedicated. You, you really have to be dedicated to do it because it isn't so much that it requires a lot of clipping, but clipping in itself is going to weaken the plant, and um, it's it, that's a challenge in our climate. Mary, a listener wants to know, please advise when it's a good time to trim a birch tree. Birch trees, yes, you could do that right now. Um, the, you might have some sap running because, of course, the maple syrup season is on right now. Sap is running with that. So, um 
The, you might have some sap running because, of course, the maple syrup season is on right now. Sap is running with that. So some sap will come out perhaps when you prune it. Um, it will uh, stop within a few days, but you can do that right now. Okay. This listener has several milkweed pods from last fall. A listener said, I did not place them in a cold place over the winter. Is it too late for me to give them some cool air before planting this year, or are they now duds? I would go ahead and try that. If you collected them last year, uh, they're still pretty fresh seed. And, uh, yes, sometimes there's not a long dormancy or cold requirement uh, with some of those uh, seeds. So I would go ahead and plant them. Uh, you have them now, and, yeah, I'd go ahead and plant them. And we were talking about lawns just a few minutes ago, and a listener said, can I just sprinkle grass seed on my lawn now? Well, of course, you you can do that. <laughs> um, if it doesn't have good seed soil contact, it's uh, probably not going to germinate. And the temperatures now are too cold for most seeds to germinate. Um, you know, I would um, imagine that the soil temperature, we don't have a lot of frost left in our soils because of the uh, mild winter and then the snow cover that we had. But most soils are around 40 degrees right now. I would assume 40, 45 degrees. And seeds need a temperature uh, closer to 60s and 70s before they will actually germinate. So you have two issues. It's too cold, and then you've got to have good seed soil contact. Mary, we need to take a quick break here, uh, alerting our listeners on the phone. Uh, stay there. We're, when we come back, we'll pick up on your phone calls and more text messages. Mary Meyer is with us from the University of Minnesota here on our Smart Garden Show. We are around every Saturday in the 8 o'clock hour, welcoming your phone calls and text messages here on News Talk 830. This is WCCO. And welcome back this Saturday morning, first day of spring, to our Smart Garden Show. Denny Long here with Mary Meyer from the University of Minnesota, answering your questions by phone and by text as usual. And as usual, Mary, we have a lot of both. So let's uh, let's get back to it. Richard in Forest Lake, I think, is uh, first up here. Thanks for waiting, Richard. What's your question for Mary? Thank you. Good morning. I'm building a planter for tomato plants. How deep does it have to be? And if I'm not deep enough, can I put them in buckets? Thank you. Well, good question, uh, Richard. So depth, it sounds to me like you're building a raised bed. So you got quite a bit of width, perhaps on the top. But I would say you'd least have, you should at least have it one foot deep. Two feet deep is great, uh, but at least one foot deep. Now, one foot is like the minimum for, uh, with a wider, like three to four feet wide bed on top. But if that's not possible, then you said perhaps you can put them in buckets. So, yes, I would say that a five-gallon bucket is going to be minimum. The bigger, the better. Um, it, you can get by with smaller containers for tomatoes if you have small plants. But 
even some of the cherry tomatoes like um, Sweet 100, Sweet 1000, SunSweet and so on, even the cherries can get to be really big plants. So the bigger you can do it, the better. Um, and um, yeah, bigger is better. All right. Very good. Thanks, Richard. Uh, Amy is calling in, I think, uh, from uh, Maple Grove this morning. Amy, good morning. You're on with Mary. Good morning. So I am trying to grow hops. I'm very excited about it. I failed miserably last year. I started them from rhizomes and literally nothing happened. So I'm looking for tips for starting hops because my new rhizomes are coming sometime in April. And then to complicate things more, we are moving this year. And we're building a house, so we don't know when it's going to be done. So I'm wondering if I can grow them in pots, and then do I overwinter them and put them in the ground next year, or do I put them in the ground this year here and move them? Any tips you have would be amazing. So, Amy, I haven't grown hops before, but we do have uh, quite a bit of work now that's gone on at the University of Minnesota on hops and growing them. Definitely hardy here. They are plants that you can grow. Uh, They're very um, specialized with flavors and so on. I don't think they're actually particularly difficult to grow. Um, I actually thought a lot of hops were propagated by seeds, but you're talking about starting them from rhizomes, which uh, could be another way to do it. Uh, I would definitely start them in pots if you're going to have to move them and you know you're going to have to move them. I would go with pots rather than putting them in the soil and then having uh, to dig them up in you know a month or something like that. But I would go online to our website, extension.umn.edu, and I would uh, put hops in there. In fact, I'm going to do that <laughs> while we're talking because, uh, yeah, I haven't, I haven't grown hops. A lot of people are doing that, and, and I think they're fairly easy. They're a giant plant. You know, you've got to have uh, some support for them because they're a big, huge vine that, um, to grow with. So um, hopefully I will get some more tips, and really it's not – I don't think they're a difficult plant to grow. Good. All right. Thanks, Amy. Good luck. Texter Mary wants to know, when should I uncover my garlic? You know, this is always a tough question right now because we can't predict what the next three, four weeks are going to be. I think there are probably a lot of people wondering, should they uncover their perennial beds? Um, Is it time to start cleaning up the garden? Things like that. It's really a little early for that. Um, I, I like to wait till we're closer to the middle of April here in Minnesota to really start cleaning everything up. So garlic is pretty hardy, and um, you might be able to do that. I think if you wait another week or 10 days, uh, you'd be uh, safe for sure. Okay. Let us grab a phone call from John, who is calling in from St. Paul this morning. John, you are on with Mary Meyer. Good morning. Good morning. Thank you, Mary, for taking our call. Mary, I'm I'm looking at a commercial composting site in Woodbury that sells compost by five-gallon buckets. If I put compost into my vegetable garden, will I be introducing insects or weeds into my garden? Well, hopefully not, because getting it from a commercial composting site, that usually has the capacity and the size to get to the temperature that will kill pathogens and weed seeds. 
Our home composting sites are small and, you know, we have cold conditions here in Minnesota. So to get to the really hot temperatures that make uh, compost work and kill everything, um, and kill the, the uh, weed seeds and pathogens, we often can't do that on a home level. But from a commercial site, I would think that's a good bet. Um, so I think you'll be okay. Okay. Let us go uh, grab another phone call before we look at the weather. Shirley calling in this morning from Rosemont, Minnesota. Shirley, you're on CCO. Good morning. Good morning. Hi, Mary. I have a question. I have two uh, climbing roses, John Cabot and Henry Kelsey. And for some reason, I don't know, they just don't seem to be doing all that well. I've had them in the ground, oh, for quite a few years already, so I don't know if they're just dying out or what I need to do. They don't fill out and they don't bloom all summer. Yes. I I think maybe you should uh, get new plants again. You know, we, we do have a lot of success with hardier roses now. And the ones you mentioned are from the northern locations. Um, the Canada had a big program. Minnesota's had a program. So they, these are hardier ones. They are good bets for us, but they do tend to die out after 10 years or so. Um, the roses do have a lot of predators, uh, including rabbits and so on, that will feed on the stems. And sometimes just over the years, they get weaker and weaker and weaker. So um, if they're not doing well, I, I, I think maybe they have just, um, they don't have the capacity to um, to bloom as well anymore. I didn't have John Cabot, but I had John Davis. And over the years, I have found that, yes, they just lose their vigor. So you're best to start off with either a, a clematis that is a climber that flowers consistently or just uh, purchase some different, um, get get new plants again. All right. All right, Mary, hang on. We're going to take a break, and we'll have a look at that the new spring forecast. Mary Meyer is with us here on Smart Garden from the University of Minnesota. We'll uh, take this break, be back with more phone calls and text messages on uh, Smart Garden here on News Talk A30. This is WCCO. Joe Denny Long here along with Mary Meyer from the University of Minnesota answering your lawn and garden questions either by phone or by text, and you can call it in, you can text it in, same number, 651-989-9226. Mary, before we uh, get to Mark uh, on the phone and other texters, uh, this is, here it is, first day of spring, and not that it's not exciting year-round to go to the Arboretum, but this is is a great time of year to kind of gear it up to visit the Arboretum, isn't it? Yes, there's so much going on at the Arboretum. Um, guests and members uh, need to have a uh, timed reservation to come in, but that's easy to do. Uh, there's many um, slots available many days of the week. The hours have been extended now. Uh, the buildings are open in a limited capacity, but certainly for the restrooms, the gift shop is open. And coming up a week from today is the uh, Maple Fest. This is where uh, the maple syrup, of course, that is harvested at the Arboretum is going on right now. And the pancake festival that we've had for many years, people can order pancakes to go, and that is a week from today. There's also 
full moon hikes. There's a yoga retreat going on tomorrow. So there are many, many things that are happening at the Arboretum. Just a beautiful place to uh, get outside and take a walk. Absolutely. And the quickest way to get there, or at least uh, the directions of what, west on Highway 5? Right. West on Highway 5, uh, just past the intersection of 41 and 5, you'll see the big sign uh, for the entrance to the Arboretum. Easy to find. All right, let's get back to the phones, Mary. Uh, Mark is calling in from Invergrove, I believe. Mark, thanks for waiting. What's your question for Mary? Hi, Mary. My brother John and I grow winter squash this summer, and my question is what can I do to prevent squash vine borer from entering my garden? Thank you. This is this is a, a, a popular issue, a, a kind of a difficult question, but there are some things that you can do. So the squash vine borer does love uh, winter squash. Um, I would suggest that you plant the squash at different times. Uh, there's usually only one cycle of this borer, and once we get past that first cycle, um, you can often have plants that will come after the adult has already come and gone. So continue to plant your seeds uh, from winter squash or start the seeds indoors. Put the plants outside, um, and that sequence hopefully will help you uh, miss the squash vine borer. The other thing is regular inspection of the plants. Um, if you do see the squash vine borer is there, you can actually slit the stem yourself, get that borer out of there, take it out by hand, and then cover up the vine with soil, and the plants can grow beyond that. So inspection and timing of when you actually plant um, your plants should help you. Okay. Uh, let's see if I can translate this text. Uh, I've had some kind of blight attack my Swiss chard and tomatoes for the last two years. It starts fairly early, might be leaf miners. I cannot remember, where are we here, uh, the kind of, uh, <laughs> this is scattered throughout the whole page here. Um, what can I safely grow instead of chard and tomatoes, I guess, is the final question. So instead of chard, I guess I'd go with kale or uh, collards. Um, there is a leaf miner that does significant damage on Swiss chard. So kale is very tough, much less likely to have uh, leaf miners, especially different kinds um, of kale or collards, the same thing. Tomatoes uh, don't usually get leaf miner, but they certainly have a number of blight issues. So good ventilation and rotation of the area that you plant your tomatoes is a good practice. I've had much better luck growing um, tomatoes in containers above ground where I can provide good air circulation around the whole plants and keep them from getting uh, moist. But, of course, that means you have to water them a lot. You have to have the space, et cetera, in growing them in containers. But make sure that also that you get uh, disease-resistant plants and keep the foliage as dry as possible. Okay. If you're just joining us, Mary Meyer from the University of Minnesota is helping you out this morning on our Smart Garden Show. Let's go back to the phones, Mary. Cindy is calling in from Minneapolis, I believe. Thanks for waiting, Cindy. What's your question? Sure. So here's my question. 
I've been pulling morning glories out of my garden for the last three, four years, and I just can't seem to get rid of them. I try to pull up the little shoots as they come out. Um, I've tried, like, brushing the leaves with a, a broadleaf killer, just the leaves on the morning glories, because I don't want to spray my garden. What can I do? They come back every year, and if I don't stay on top of them, they cover my whole garden. So I'm wondering if you really have the uh, flowering morning glory or if you have uh, bindweed, which is actually another species, which is um, really a, a much more difficult weed to control. Um, so I think the first thing you need to do is figure out exactly what plant it is that you've got that is a weed for you. It sounds like it's always coming back from seed, and you've got to get rid of the seed source in in your garden um, and decide if there's some other place around your garden or some other location where the seeds are actually coming from. So I would do some work online looking at what weed is this. We have that uh, webpage on the extension website and decide really what plant is it that, that is the problem. Um, and then I'd, I'd go from there. What you're doing is exactly right, uh, weeding them out as um, much as possible. If there's any other way you could put a barrier down that would keep the seed from germinating, uh, mulches, organic or inorganic mulches, are very helpful as well. Okay. Listener uh, Mary wants to know, when's a good time to remove leaves from our gardens? Yes, I think it's too early to do that yet. I would wait for a couple more weeks uh, to do that. Um, so closer to the um, early or mid-April. Okay. Another listener wants to know, when should I start watering my new trees? Um, you That's going to happen pretty soon. As soon as the uh, frost is out of the soil, and moisture will go down into the soil, um, it, you should think about that. Now, we did not have a wet year last year. We had a dry fall. We did not have a lot of moisture through the wintertime. So the, even the last snowfall that we just had that's just now leaving was really welcome moisture that was much needed because there are areas in the state where we are close to drought conditions. So watering for new plants, uh, newly planted things, especially trees, new plants, that is really quite uh, critical. Okay. Listener wants to know if you've ever heard of a flying duck orchid. I have not. Flying duck orchid. No, um, I, I haven't. I'm not sure what that is. I would probably Google it to find out. But I did some work on the hops, and the woman, uh, Amy, who called about her hops. Oh, yes. Uh, yeah, so I'd like to talk about that for a minute. Is that sure. okay? Absolutely. Yeah, okay, so, right. So rhizomes uh, are the way to go with hops. You can go from seed, and a lot of people do seed, but rhizomes are a faster way to go. Hops are male and female vines, the flowers, the uh, the female vine, the uh, the vine with the female flowers makes the hops. And you almost always get that when you uh, get rhizomes. 
the thing about rhizomes, though, is that um, they they uh, can harbor disease, and you have to make sure you get rhizomes that are disease-free and certified disease-free rhizomes when you buy them or purchase them. Otherwise, you might be getting a diseased rhizome, and that could have happened uh, with Amy. The other thing is, is uh, hops do not like wet feet, so they don't like a lot of moisture. So overwatering them or in a wet location could have killed her rhizomes. So putting them in a container, especially because she was going to move them, um, is a good idea because then they're probably going to be uh, less wet. But they are a a tough, uh, big perennial, so hopefully that will work out for her. Well, good. Thanks for that extra information. Thanks, Mary. Uh, We're going to take a break. We have more show to come. We are going to pick up on more phone calls and text messages here on our Smart Garden Show on News Talk 830. WCCO, stay with us. And welcome back to our Smart Garden Show. Danny Long here along with Mary Meyer from the University of Minnesota. Mary, we have so many text messages. What I'm going to try to do is save as many as I can that we don't get to, and we'll open up the show next week. Uh, those fo- folks kind enough to uh, send in the text. Here's one. It said, uh, when should I take the trunk wrap off our very young showy mountain ash? Will it hurt to keep the wrap on longer? Um, you you can keep a trunk wrap on um, throughout the summer. It depends on what the uh, trunk wrap is actually made out of. Uh, many times we put that on for the winter time to protect it from uh, animals like rabbits and so on for young trees or to prevent uh, frost uh, uh, cracking and so on, sun scalding on to protect the bark in the winter time. But if there's a space between it um, and it allows oxygen exchange and so on, you don't have to take it off. But if it's... Um, but normally, we would often take those things off um, in the summertime. Okay. A listener says, when amaryllis have finished blooming, do we cut the stalk down or let it dry down or uh, then uh, outside this summer? What the, should they do with the amaryllis that's finished blooming? As long as the flowering stalk is green, I would leave it growing because it uh, produces uh, sugars for the plant and helps Uh, to the bulb to grow bigger for next year. But once the flowering stalk is yellow or brown, uh, then you can take it off. And as much sun as possible for your amaryllis. Many people put these outside in the summertime. Sometimes they actually plant them in the soil outside. You want that bulb to get as big as possible and store food all summer long and then bring it back in in the fall. And um, sometimes people give it a dormant treatment. You don't have to do that. But if the bulb has stored enough food, it will flower again the following year. A couple of lawn questions, Mary. Here's one. It says, should I rake over mold on the grass to get rid of it? Yes, you can do that. Um, That's a good way to invigorate your lawn. As long as it has dried out enough, uh, you can uh, do the raking and that will help it to grow. This texter says, our lawn service wants to fertilize on Monday. Is it too early? Yes, it's way too early to fertilize um, 
because uh, most of that fertilizer can't really be absorbed and uh, go into the soil. Now, a granular fertilizer, even granular, uh, yeah, it's it's too early to do that because yeah. you want it to be absorbed into the soil and taken up by the plant roots. This listener says, uh, recent heavy snow caused our young clump birch to lean. What's the proper way to stake it up? Young clump birch. So I would try gently with uh, some stakes and some uh, flexible uh, roping to try to stake that up again. And um, if you can get a stake in the ground, that's kind of the limiting thing with a frost in the ground. I think uh, pretty much the frost is going from the ground. So I would just try to gently do that um, to uh, give it some support. Ideally, we don't like to have our trees dependent on support. So uh, gradually, you should try to remove that support so that it grows and forms on its own. Okay. This listener says, I have a very large yard that is not in good shape. Many bare spots, too many weeds, especially dandelions. What's the best way to treat the lawn and is now too early to start? I think I know what you're going to say. Yeah, it is too early to start. The first thing you'd want to do is rake the area. And then it sounds to me like you might be a candidate for renovating your entire lawn. So you have to decide, you know, if you're beyond the 50% weeds and plants that you don't want versus um, good grass that's there. If you have more weeds than you do good grass, then you might want to consider total renovation, which we have a lot of information up on our extension.umn.edu website on how to completely renovate your lawn. Of course, many people are very interested in having more than a monoculture of grass in their lawn today and bee lawns, uh, low flowering plants that are attracted to pollinators is a very popular option. So I would would say uh, consider that as well, perhaps planting some clover, uh, some of the other low growing perennials that are attractive to pollinators. Okay. Uh, this listener says, is it possible to start dahlia tubers inside and then transplant in the garden bed? Yes. Many people in Minnesota do this because dahlias have a long growing season. And if we can give them a head start indoors, yes, a lot of Minnesotans do this. If you're a dahlia aficionado, um, you people are doing this all the time. The Dahlia Society has a wonderful display um, out at the Minnesota Landscape Arboretum. I Hope to, I think they'll be back there this year. They were not last year, but um, we have a wonderful display of dahlias there. So starting indoors is a good idea. Speaking of the Arboretum again, the texter wants to know, what is that big wooden path being built there for? Well, this is a bike path. So, the, the yeah, the big wooden path is a uh, part of a bike trail, which is a wonderful new addition to the Arboretum. So people will be able to bike in from the current trail system in the Carver County Park system through Excelsior and so on. There's an underpass already under Route 5, and there's going to be an underpass put under 41. 
so that you'll be able to bike right along the front of the Arboretum and uh, not have to go in the roadway. So, yeah, wonderful new bike trail going in. What a great idea. I did not know that. Great. This listener says, and I know we have a couple of minutes to go, can I trim up my bridal veil? Yeah, bridal veil is a kind of spirea. Um, You can do that. That spirea is going to flower pretty early. So any pruning you do right now, you're going to take off the flowers. So ideally, you'd wait till just after that plant flowers in the spring. But if you're not concerned, if you're more concerned about the shape of the plant, you can do it right now. Okay. Can flower beds be burned to clean them up? Uh, Not very easily. Um, So burning is something you can't do just uh, on a whim here in Minnesota. Uh, You need a burn permit, usually from your city as well as the uh, DNR. So you normally you can't just have a fire to do that. Um, And I would wonder how much uh, uh, plant material you have there. Uh, if you really have enough to do a burn to clean it up. So that's not a normal procedure. Usually that's done by um, a professional. Sure. Makes sense. Mary, we're out of time. It's always a pleasure. Thank you so much for all the good help, and I hope you have a good uh, first weekend of spring, and we'll talk real soon. Thank you, Denny. Always a pleasure. Thanks, Mary. Mary Meyer from the University of Minnesota. Get those home improvement questions ready. That's coming up next. Andy Lindis from Lindis Construction. This first day of spring, we expect highs here in the Twin Cities near 59. A windy day today, tonight, and again tomorrow. High tomorrow here in the Twin Cities should hit about 61. A few clouds now. Our current temperature reading, 37 degrees. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.